Why do you suppose we are so afraid of being ordinary? Why must we, we make our mark in life? This is Tuesday, April 11th, and we're continuing our podcast in this week after Easter. We're learning about the power of death to control our lives and how Jesus in the resurrection has set us free. And that's our question. Why must we do something heroic? I remember reading a number of years ago an interview with Madonna done by Vanity Fair magazine. At one point, she became deeply honest about her life. She said, All my will has always been to conquer some horrible feeling of inadequacy. I've always, I'm always struggling with that fear. I push back one spell of it, and then I get to another stage and think I'm mediocre and uninteresting. And I find a way to get myself out of that. Again and again, my struggle is never ended, and it probably never will. Wow! This is what we are looking at yesterday and also last week. How the fear of death has come to shape, shape our lives, and how Jesus has set us free through his death and resurrection. But it makes you wonder, why do you think we have this shame-based fear of being ordinary? Why do you think that worries us so much? This is a symptom of this fear of death we've been learning about. You see, we believe if we can stand out, if we can do something truly heroic, we can hold at bay this fear of death, the fear that we will die. I'm told the great Russian writer Leo Tolstoy wrestled with this after he wrote his novel Anna Karenina. He said, Is there any meaning in my life that won't be destroyed by the death that inevitably awaits me? You see, he knew there had to be more. And even though he had poured his life into his writing, he knew that would not produce for him an immortality. His work would die with him, and then what? This began for him a search that led him to a very simple faith in Jesus. As a result, his life was reframed. And this is where we live. I think in some way we all want to do as Tolstoy did. We want to do something that remains. We want to leave an indelible mark. We want to do something that will be remembered. But why? It's this fear of insignificance. Here's our text, text for today, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 22 to 26. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him, then the end will come. When he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And what the scripture teaches is that to free us from bondage, Jesus has taken on our enemies. He did that at the cross. First, he did not fear his own death. Now, some people have made out his garden prayer as one of, of fear because of his impending death. 
But this would not be true to the character of Jesus. He never once manifested fear. Instead, that prayer was about taking on sin and the separation he would know from his Father. Our text for today tells us that Jesus is the second Adam. He came to take upon himself the death that belongs to Adam and all other people, ourselves included, that have come after Adam. But Jesus could not be held by death. This reminds me of a beautiful scene from C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Aslan, the figure of Jesus in the series, gives up his life to ransom Edmund, who has turned away from good and gone over to the witch. The witch owned him, and that day Aslan had gone to visit the evil witch and made an arrangement for Edmund's freedom. He told the children, I have settled the matter. She has renounced the claim on your brother's blood. That night as the sun was setting, Aslan walked up to the top of a hill. As he approached the stone table, the minions of the witch came to meet him. With his power, they knew that Aslan could destroy them. He offered no resistance, and the witch said, The fool has come. Bind him fast. The scene that followed echoes with the sadness that we would feel if watching an innocent animal was being tortured and killed. The majestic lion made no sound. They tied his four paws together, shouting and cheering, as if they'd done something brave. They tied his four paws together. With one swipe of his paws, he might have killed them, but he did nothing. They bound the rope so tight that they cut into his flesh, and then they began dragging him to the stone table. Stop, cried the witch. Let him be shaved first. The goal in all of this was humiliation. The beautiful mane was hacked off, the bright fur cut away in clumps. Muzzle him, she cried. Now the evil servants of the witch were finding their courage. They surrounded him, kicking him, hitting him, spitting on him, jeering him. The witch's face was twitching with passion as she took out her knife, and just before that she thrust the knife into his heart, she stooped down and whispered in a quivering voice, And now who has won? Fool, did you think that by all this you could save the human traitor? Now I will kill you instead of him as our pact was, and so the deep magic will be appeased. But when you are dead, what will prevent me from killing him as well? And who will take him out of my hand then? Understand then that you have given me Narnia forever. You have lost your own life, and you have not saved his. And that knowledge, despair, and die. Hope was lost. The children felt it was the end of everything good. Darkness descended over all of Narnia. But as the light of the new day started to shine, they climbed the hill and found the stone table broken, and Aslan was gone. In a moment Aslan was there with them once again, and the chi children exclaimed, Oh, you're real, you're real! They wondered if Aslan was a ghost really himself.
and they asked him how it was possible. This is what he said. Though the witch knew the deep magic, there is a magic deeper still which she did not know. When a willing victim had committed no treachery, was killed in a traitor's stead, the table would crack and death itself would start working backward. Isn't that a beautiful way to put it? Death would start working backwards. Yes, this is what Jesus has brought about in his death for us. It is beautiful how Jesus could not be held by death and was so willing to offer himself on our behalf. Now all of our fears of mediocrity fall away. We have nothing to prove, and we discover how God made us to live and serve and love. And the fear of death vanishes like the fog when the sun comes out, and we awaken, and we are free. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Lord God, for freedom to live. Death has long hung over us like a dark cloud, threatening to deprive us of a future. But in Jesus we are ransomed from death's grip. Help us to learn to live in our new freedom, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>